Hello, everyone, and welcome to the 58th episode of the Tuesday Night Podcast. I'm your host, SBJ, and with me tonight, I have Alan. Hey, that's me. Random fact numero nine. I've been skydiving. So good to be here. And your partner in crime is also with us today, Sean. Hello. I didn't realize you knew about the crimes we've committed. Hey, I, fe- I felt like it was a given going into this podcast with you two. Oh, well, I guess, yeah, you know what? We need to stop doing crimes together, Sean. I guess it's too obvious. Or at the very least, we need to make do crimes that are less obvious in general. I think that's a fair start. What is also a fair start is this is a podcast about board games, tabletop games, games you can play on and under your table. Yeah. Like last week. No game plan for this episode. Well, we have a rough outline. We know that we want to talk about the first two rooms in a boom expansion. And uh, you had a pretty interesting idea that we figured we could just kind of hash out right here on this episode. Yes. Uh, Before we get to that, I do have another question I'm going to set you up for, Alan. But before that, let's talk about this expansion. Oh, all right. So two rooms in a boom expansion. I know you've had... I feel like you've had a million in the works, but none have come out. So what's happening That's sort of here? A, weird, a weird way to characterize it. It's not like we've had like four we've tried to come out with and it hasn't worked out. <laughs> I suppose, I suppose. But I, I felt like there was a conversation at some point where you were telling me a couple different paths you wanted to go down. Oh, yeah. We have, I have a ton of expansions. Because when we originally made Two Rooms and a Boom, I, no exaggeration, over almost 200 other character cards that came in the base set that we've been playtesting and hashing out, that kind of thing. You guys also, a couple podcasts ago, mentioned that Travis Worthington, I believe, uh, told you that it was silly to release so many cards in your first version of the game. Yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> yeah, Sean may not have been there for that, but yeah, we definitely... He definitely criticized us. He said if he would have made it uh, many fewer cards and he would just have expansion after expansion. So we're excited about our first expansion for sure. Yes. Yes. <laughs> how many <laughs> How many characters are in the first one? 104? Uh, there's over 75 unique characters. Oh, okay. So okay. there's over 75, specifically offhand... <laughs> I don't remember because that's part of our sales pitch, right, Sean? Over 75, but that means yeah, there's, there's 110 overall... uh, cards in the game, but like I think uh, like 14 of those cards, I want to say, are like red and blue team cards. That is correct. Okay, okay. And then uh, you, I, obviously you have like blue spy, red spy, so that's... Two different cards, but one character, right? right. So when we say over 75 unique characters, that's still a lot, but a whole lot of cards. Yeah, like there's the red bouncer, blue bouncer. So when you come up with a character, a lot of times there's one for each team. So you can't say we came up with two unique characters. No, just one for each team. Yeah, but this but there first is like, expansion. There, there's like Maid and Mistress. Those are, wait, no, those are great. Never mind. Those are great, but those are two unique characters. That's how we got to the 75. Yeah, and there's like Cupid and Eris. Yeah, but there's like President's Daughter. That's blue. It's blue, and that's a unique character. But a lot of characters share colors. For instance, Blue Agent red agent but an example where they don't share it is moby versus ahab or cupid or eris there's like red cupid blue eris oh, okay right 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 
and Travis, Travis brought up like a good point. Um, and it's important to contextualize where Alan and I were when we came out with this game on your first Kickstarter game, even though you, you've sort of like committed, like we're going to see this through and we want to build a company. There's also the feeling that this might be the last and first game you ever come out with. So we really wanted to make it a game that would stand alone on its own forever, you know? And so basically we wanted to make it so complete that players would have a great, great, great experience. But I feel like a lot of publishers, once they get further into the game and they're a lot more certain that they're going to be around year after year after year, it's within their interest to make the game smaller, more cost effective, more affordable and cheaper, and then sort of drip out new characters, roll after roll after roll. I mean, uh, Ted Auspeck sort of made a name for himself with Ultimate Werewolf, which has tons of characters in it. I mean, more than you never need, right? But then nobody buys the expansions, whereas One Night Ultimate Werewolf has six or seven rolls. And then they just keep coming out with more and more and more. So you could sort of buy in at your comfortable price point. But at the time, Al and I were thinking, who knows where this could go? This could be one and done, right? Yeah, to be fair, as blasphemous as this may sound, Monopoly, right? There's no Monopoly expansions out there. And I don't want to be cliche and say, we were trying to make the next Monopoly because there's no similarities between Monopoly and Two Rooms and a Boom. But the point being is we wanted a self-contained game that would last through generations of family. So having that split up between expansions uh, ruins that possibility, I think. But now that the game's been out for a while um, and it's seen, you know, it's second print run for those you've been asking is supposed to land here at the end of November. Fingers crossed, knocking on wood. Now that people have been out there and had a chance to experience the game and experience all the roles. I think Alan came up with a game ex- uh, with an expansion that directly addresses certain play styles that uh, have developed within the terms and a boom sort of world. Yeah. Yeah. If you are playing two rooms in a boom and you are one of the people that say, man, I'd like an expansion. Well, maybe you'll regret asking for it because what's the sales pitch for this expansion, Sean? This is two rooms in a boom on hard mode. Um, for those of you out there who think that two rooms in a boom is, you know, chaotic and casual and, and, and light and party. Um, that's great. The game isn't going anywhere, but Alan's introduced some cards that make that ratchet up the tension that ratchet up. Uh, you could say the strategy, um, but also our biggest, biggest, biggest goal with this sort of expansion was to increase the fun for low player count games. And I think this expansion does that really, really well. Yeah. Oh, man. It's really tension, 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 really tension if that's not really. It's a lot of tension. And I think it's appropriate because we theme this expansion in the HP Lovecraft universe. (laughs) And it has one of my favorite characters in it because a lot of people really love the bouncer. I'm more a fan of tentacles yeah because that's one of the characters it's kind of the opposite of the bouncer tentacles is a character that if you're in a room that has fewer players than the other room you can walk into the other room and grab someone and bring them into your room (laughs) i feel like we're talking card specifics but does anybody out there even know the name of this expansion not yet sean well i mean maybe some people that we've (laughs) shown because we're sending out pre-release copies that we made to some reviewers yeah so sean you asked what the name of this expansion is i don't want to be the one to tell them because it's hp lovecraft theme bro 
So what's this expansion called, Sean? This one's called Necro Boomicon. <laughs> like the Necronomicon from, you know, that HP Lovecraft thing. Yeah. And it the theme fits the tension. And here's the cool thing, Sean. This is what I'm thinking. Let me run this by you. You ready for this? We uh, have some special pre-release copies of it that, of course, we have to send to reviewers before we go ahead and kickstart it. But I'm thinking we may have a few pre-release copies left over, at least one. And I'm thinking we should give a copy to a Tuesday knave. What says you, Sean? That sounds great. But what do we get out of it? Uh, that's a good idea. Hey, SBJ, what's uh, what's the best social media outlet for us to really exploit? I think that this is the opportunity to take advantage of our Twitter. The 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 thing we promote at the end of every show which is at play tkg since this episode will be going up on november 15th i will make uh, i will make or and or suggest for alan and sean to have a tweet uh scheduled on the 16th of november and as long as you follow the at play tkg account on twitter and you retweet that tweet which will have hashtag Necroboomicon. Necroboomicon. Yeah. It's a big word. So you follow the account, you retweet that tweet, and that automatically ends, enters you to win a copy of the expansion. SBJ, that's brilliant. We'll do that. So we'll release this episode out on one day, and then the following day, we make a tweet that says something like, we're getting ready for our expansion, Necroboomicon, hashtag Necroboomicon, and then people have to retweet it. Is that, am I understanding it right? Does follow, that sound? follow our account and retweet it. Follow our account and retweet it. Two yes. steps. Two, One, two, two easy steps. Two easy steps. And then we'll randomly choose someone who retweeted it and then send them, contact them and ask them for an address, which we can send assassins. I mean, a copy of this. Yeah. Yes. The way oh, yeah. They get their ah. tentacles in the mail. Yeah! Woo! I'm excited. I'm excited. Yeah. Woo! SBJ, you have questions about this expansion? Be the audience for us, man. Be the audience. Uh, is this expansion going to be on Kickstarter? Anytime you yeah. hear silence, Sean, there you go. <laughs> it's for Sean to take it away. Yes, it will be on Kickstarter. Yes. Is there a scheduled date for Kickstarter? You know, uh, we're coming up on it pretty soon. We're hoping to release it by the end of November. Um, we've just been getting World Championship Russian Roulette out the door, um, we, which we officially sent over our deposit for and approved our digital proofs for, which I think we talked about last time. But now we're waiting on a white box proof. Um, I just talked to our manufacturer, and they said we are on schedule to receive games at the beginning of February. So things are moving along very well there. Yeah, so for Necroboomicon, we will be bringing it to BBGCon, and we'll be doing our usual Saturday at 9 behind the elevators, Two Rooms and a Boom. So if you want to come out and play some more Two Rooms and a Boom, it's the annual tradition, Saturday at 9. We play some Two Rooms and a Boom for a while with Sean and myself, and then we hand it off to other players who will then continue playing. But I'll make sure to bring one of those pre-release copies so we can play with the Necroboomicon. Yeah. Yeah. Some people are going to hate it. I'm gonna, it's going to be great. Some people are going to be like, I can't handle it. It's too hard. 
It's too stressful. Yeah, that's what it's like to live in a Cthulhu world. Yeah. How many new cards are there? Nine. Oh, okay. Boom. So it's a, a, a like a baby expansion. Little, yeah, it's it, a little booster pack. It's a foil pack. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Oh, that's very cool. Yeah, don't expect to be spending an ass ton of money on this expansion. You're it's just gonna be super affordable. Yeah, plastic cards, yo. Plastic. And they all f- they all fit in your um, current terms in a boombox because that's one of our big pet peeves as a company is expansions that aren't that are like like I love the one night uh, expansions because they all look the same and they all fit together on the shelf. Um, but I hate the expansions where you're obviously supposed to put them in your box, but they don't fit in the box and then they're shaped weird. Um, so they look stupid sort of laying on top of your box. This is going to go right inside the tombs in a boom box. Yeah, I think most people, even for One Night Ultimate Werewolf, end up putting all of the components in one box. I know I have an empty One Night Ultimate Vampire box. I have a empty One Night Ultimate Daybreak box. And that's why Ted offers a nice quality wooden box to put everything in, because everyone puts it in the same box anyway. So even though it is nice, yeah, I, yeah that's that was one of our goals. You, Yeah. Huh. I don't think i have anything else to ask i mean i feel like those were the two big questions how many cards will it be on kickstarter when will it be on kickstarter because at this point anyone buying an expansion i would assume is already probably sold on the game yeah that's probably why we dragged our heels a bit on an expansion too is because it's not until recently in fact sean when is when are we going to be able to sell two rooms and a boom via amazon again because it's on its way right uh, hopefully it should be here by the end of November. So by the end of November, everybody can get two rooms in a boom again. Man, whew, that's been that's been an issue trying to get it. So anybody can get two rooms in a boom. So we didn't want to have an expansion where you couldn't even get a new copy of two rooms in a boom. Is, is the Ugh. final question, I guess. I don't want to spend too much time on it because uh, I'm sure we'll talk about it more as it gets closer. But. Is there just going to be the one option on Kickstarter, just the booster pack, or is there going to be like booster pack and two rooms in a boom? Or yeah, you'll be able to get the booster pack and two rooms in a boom on our Kickstarter, as well as you know multiple copies of the booster pack if you want. Um, I think we will do that. Stay tuned. <laughs> I think it's a cool idea if we uh, explain a new character every podcast too. So we already explained Tentacles. So there you go. What will be? In next week's character, <laughs> Ooh, ah, uh, I'm probably the most excited people about the expansion person. Man, let me try that again. Beep, beep. I'm probably the most excited person about this expansion. <laughs> you didn't go to CrossFit today, did you? I did go to CrossFit. I've got an You're endorphin. Jacked I go. up. <laughs> I'm jacked up. I am. I am. It was a lot of pull-ups, and my hands are destroyed. We did toe-to-bars. It was amazing. But, uh, yeah, it's (laughs) so the meat and potatoes of our show here was going to be focused. And I don't think we've really done this on purpose. I think we've accidentally done this in the past, but to brainstorm a new game. And I think maybe that's that's what makes our show a little more interesting than other board game podcasts. I didn't say better. I just said interesting. Uh, is because <laughs> is because you like got immediately defensive. Nobody said either. You're like, I didn't say better. Calm down. I didn't say better. Hey, that's, I'm not saying that. I would never make that claim. <laughs> but in, these guys. <laughs> but you two have made games, and there are a lot of other 
board gaming podcasts that maybe just review games or maybe that are just uh, fans of games. But you guys make games, and I think Guilty. that this, this podcast has, has intentionally, unintentionally made a game called Cause of Death Ghost. Yeah. Uh, which I was going to ask you before the show started to like elaborate on your process about how you made that. But since we're already 20 minutes in, and since I feel like th- the, the game we're going to talk about may take up more time than expected, let's... Uh, shelf your development of Cause of Death Ghost for a later date because I think that could uh, capture an entire podcast. And let's talk about yeah, let's talk about the the concept I sent to you today and just kind of talk it out. And uh, if it's a train wreck, you know, well, hopefully it's a entertaining train wreck. Right. This could go nowhere. And the backstory is like an hour before we started recording. SBJ sends me a, a text, and the first one's a sentence fragment. It just says, game idea. And then <laughs> and several texts followed. Which like, were also... Secretary or something, and he's like, take this down. Game idea. Mm, <laughs> yeah. Space. Mm, cows. Mm, legacy. Go. And you're like, go, 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 Alan, go. All right, so everyone's a cow, and they're in outer space, and there's milk everywhere, and it's called the Milky Way. Ah, ah. Anyway. That so, game yeah, already that- sounds better than what I pitched to you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm, I'm excited about the idea. I'm not sure how this would work, but let's bring Sean into the fold, and let's hear it via your voice rather than via your text right uh because besides the first sentence fragment i sent you it was followed by a bunch of misspellings and more sentence fragments so let me try to elaborate in in using my voice which is no better than me typing anything but the concept i thought was what if there was a game and maybe it already exists i don't know when when i when i asked alan he said that there was nothing really that similar or has been done, but who knows? There's millions of games that come out. The concept is that at the start of the game, one person already knows that they are going to win the game. And the goal of the game is to change that outcome uh, to so you win, the, you win the game instead of the person that is told uh, in front of the group that they are going to win. Huh. I wonder when you came up with this game. Was it Tuesday? <laughs> was it o'clock? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Sean, we said we wouldn't talk about that. This is a podcast for distraction. I, I, I definitely... I, so I thought of it because of a Simpsons episode. There, one of my favorite Simpsons episodes is called Trilogy of Error. And just the, the premise of that episode is that the episode actually starts over three times. Uh, the, the episode starts, I think with, with Bart's point of view, and then it gets to a certain part of the episode and then it goes and then rewinds and then it does Lisa's point of view. And then, uh, when Lisa and Bart kind of meet up, it goes and then it does Homer and Marge's point of view. And then as soon as all three of those points connect, uh, the episode finishes, which I think is extremely interesting. I think that is I'm surprised that that concept doesn't really exist in more forms of media. I I just think it's an interesting way to tell a story and maybe some people don't. Uh but that's kind of what I thought with the concept I set 
Saint Allen uh, is it's a little different, obviously, because in in that episode, it all comes to the it all comes to a point, and then the episode concludes. Where in this game, you would know who the winner is, and there would be a point in the game where it goes. All right, now we have new information. Can we change this outcome? And then you get to another point, and we have even more information. Can we still change this outcome? And that's I already I already know the title of the game. The title of the game is going to be. <laughs> <laughs> so that's really as far as I got with the concept. Um, I just thought of it. I, I I sent it to Alan, so I really wouldn't forget, and I wanted Alan's input because. I have to say that, you know, I've only known you guys for, I've known you guys for a long time, but I've known you more, more personally, personally for a little over a year now. And I was so shocked and, and so blown oh. away how, <laughs> how fast you came up with a concept for Cause of Death Ghost. And even more blown away when I played it at Gen Con, which was, you know, not even a full year I took Cause of Death Ghost around and I showed, because you gave me a copy at Gen Con and I showed the gaming group I played with and we played with some other people like Stephen Avery and everyone we showed it to, they absolutely loved it. But your turnaround time on that game was so short. And, and I, I know obviously that's not the case for all games that are being made because, you know, I've, there, there was a game I played at Gen Con where the guy said he's spent the last eight years working on this game. And that's incredible, and there's a lot of passion there, but I was like, well, let me... I, I don't know how to make the game I pitched to Alan. I don't know where I would start. So that's why I was like, let's talk about it on a podcast, because maybe Alan does, or maybe Alan just says, oh, that sounds impossible, so uh, let's end the show now. That sounds impossible. <laughs> Night, everybody! No, uh... Well, first of all, I think the inspirational idea that comes to mind when you say that is something about the multiverse where there's all these possible outcomes and each one is a different reality and you asked can i think of any games that's somewhat similar to that and the only one i could really think of was tragedy looper sean oh, yeah. backed me up yeah that was the first thing that came to my mind too and by that regard possibly time stories which i haven't played but i know that they're somewhat similar but those are the only things I could think of that would even fall within that sort of category. Although, I don't want to cut you off here, but there is a very common board game mechanic concept that thematically fits into this theme. Go on! <laughs> <laughs> um, and I actually thought it would be kind of an interesting title for it, um, though how it would fit into the multiverse theme is kind of interesting as well. But um, it's Kingmaker. You could call the game Kingmaker because uh, yeah. there always hits this sort of point in the game where you say, okay, you're kind of out, you're, you've lost, right? However, you can play Kingmaker. You can decide who wins the game at this point based on who you can choose to screw over, right? Ooh. It happens in Risk. It happens in all these other things. But that's literally the premise of your game, SBJ, is that you've all lost, right? Except for somebody. And your goal now is to play Kingmaker and see if you can make somebody else win. Right, whether that's you or somebody else. Yeah, but I'm thinking, and I think Sean's sitting on this too, it's impossible to make yourself win. You have to convince someone else to make you win. Because in an actual Kingmaker thing, and the Poltergeist is kind of the Kingmaker in Cause of Death Ghost, in that 
if you're out and you're not winning on that last turn, maybe at least you can choose who to dick over. That's one of my biggest complaints about uh, uh, Arcane Wonders, uh, Sheriff of Nottingham. Sheriff of Nottingham, it basically comes down to where there's a rule where you can trade cards with people. It comes down to like, oh, I can't win. Well, hey, I don't want Steve to win, so I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to trade. Just give all of my freaking apples to Sean so he can beat Steve. And it's one of my biggest uhs about that game. That's a great example of Kingmaker. So maybe what's going on here is you can't win. Only other people can choose you to win. You can never choose yourself. So that's something I like about this concept, though, is that it happens naturally in all games not in all games, but a lot. I mean, it doesn't happen like chess, but like, like it happens in enough games in a frustrating way that if you start out with that, maybe it's not so frustrating. If you say, OK, 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 the premise is we're going to have to pick a winner. <laughs> and, it, and, it, and you're not going to be able to pick yourself. Then maybe it takes sort of that frustrating power away where you're like, oh, come on. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm worried because of contention already, because one of the things about kingmaking, it usually pisses someone off because, man, come on. I worked so hard to get these points. And now you're just going to give those points to someone else just because I've been winning the entire time. Uh Besides kingmaking, there's a lot of games that do have this good tension where almost anyone can win on the next turn. And I think going back to a game we talk about a lot, Cosmic Encounter has that type of ability where people recognize, oh my goodness, you're going to win in the next turn. So everyone basically does the opposite of kingmaking and like king taking. Like, he's the king. We got to take that away. He's the king. We got to take that away. So how do we just boil it down to just that, where it's just, oh, this person's going to win. So were you thinking of a social game, SBJ, where people are talking? Or are you talking cards? Is there a board to this? What kind of medium are you imagining? I feel like a social game would be the preferred, only because when more information is revealed, that's when more decisions could be made throughout the group um some of my best memories of playing games would be something like the resistance or something like two rooms in a boom where you know what the outcome is so for example you know that the president is in your room and you know that the bomber is in the other room and you know the other room is uh controlled by the red team so you know the outcome is probably going to be they're going to send the bomber over and you have the choice of do we hope they don't do we send the president do we do something else how many turns left are in the game you're openly discussing possible options even though the ending to that game is ultimately the same right either the president and the bomber are together or they're not. So the ending to the game I pitched is either the game is correct and the person we've established at the beginning is going to win or everyone is going to do everything they can to make sure that that person doesn't win. Man, that's interesting. I've been sort of way, way background working on a social deduction game for a while now that fits sort of within that realm. 
Um, there's a great fantasy series called The Chronicles of Amber by Ro- Roger Zelazny, who some of oh, you may wow, know. Oh, wow, yeah. Right? Classic. Um, super classic. And it has this multiverse sort of in it. There's these shadow realms, and uh, all the characters, particularly in the first book, uh, Prince of Amber, are um, these like barons and baronesses, princes, and things like that. And uh, one of the siblings is king. Um, and one of them wants to sort of usurp him. And so one of the ideas I'd been kicking around mechanically was a social deduction game where players had two cards, sort of like in uh, Texas Hold'em or something, where one is face up and one is face down, and together, that's their power. And you sort of make all these deals with people, and you can send them into the Shadow Realm where they're going to lose. But when you're in the Shadow Realm, you have different powers. And so it was this social deduction game based around moving the king around by teaming up with people. So you all wanted to become king eventually, right? But you'd have to team up with each other to take other people down. Like, you would say, well, I've got, I know I'm only showing a three, but I've actually got a seven face down. And if we team up against him um, and beat him, you know, I'll let you be, take the king. And then you go fight him and you've actually sandbagged him and you've lost. But your numbers are so low that the other guy that you teamed up with has higher numbers than you, and he dies and goes to the Shadow Realm because he sort of risked more. There was sort of this element of like secret versus unsecret power in sort of a bidding sort of component. And I think going back to what Alan said about how do you keep it from being too popularity contest, too shitty, too stab you in the back, I think in a game like this, you might do something like secret, like secret bidding to where you all are voting for people secretly that you think should be king and then at the end of certain rounds you're revealing who you voted for and it's like oh my god i had no idea you were actually going to vote for him i was voting for him because i thought nobody else would vote for him so he wouldn't win but we all ended up voting for sbj and now he's in the lead now we have another round of arguing and betting and things like that i think that could actually help with the sort of popularity contest aspect i was thinking about that as okay so if somebody is so if, if the group is told alan is going to win the game and you guys have yeah! to. You I'm guys have win! to. <laughs> you guys are all going to lose. Alan's going to win. Good luck. There would have to be something that Alan is holding, uh, cards or cubes or something that uh, is definite throughout that ensures that he is going to win. Whether or not there is information revealed along the way, whether or not the game is you know soft resetted, where you know the game's still going on, but we're going back to the start uh, with new information, new cards, new cubes, whatever that is. Without everyone just ganging up on Alan, what is why? Why is he going to win? What is the re- what is the reason he wins? Is that the most points, the most cards, uh, only having one card, only having all the cards? Like, there would have to be something that, like a mechanic that people gravitate to, to realize why he's winning. Besides the fact that maybe he starts off with more, more currency or, or cards, or how do you change the way the outcome of the game is if... I've never... Without something physical, I guess. I've never played Secret Hitler, but in my head, this is what I always thought the game would be about. I literally know nothing about the game. But I thought it'd be cool if it was a game about going back in time to kill Hitler, and that was like what you were doing, and then Hitler was hiding because he knew all these time-traveling people were out there trying to kill him. So in a game like this, I do also think it could be kind of funny where one of you is Hitler or something like that, right? You're a bad guy, and you're going to win. You're gonna, you have all these like forces and armies and power at your disposal, 
and you basically play through five turns, like five quick turns, and then everybody on your side dies. But it's kind of like a legacy game in that when you die, you've maybe changed a couple things about the past. And then like in Tragedy Looper, you go back to the beginning and you try to kill Hitler again. But this time he's a little weaker because of the things you've done that have changed history, right? But the problem is once you kill Hitler, inevitably one of you becomes Hitler because that's just the way the butterfly effect sort of works is that you end up with a worse scenario than you anticipated. So there's this sort of like replaying of imagine if, if risk only took like six minutes to play the entire game and you were going to play <laughs> six games of risk in a night, but each time you played, you unlocked sort of different paths and you're like, okay, cool. We finally went this way. Now we could do this. Oh man, the evil empire, they're still winning. That would be really cool to me in a similar sort of vein. I think so. But maybe not. Maybe it's dumb. No, no, that, that, that sounds like a possibly a better game than secret Hitler. I have not played secret Hitler yet. I own it, but, but, <laughs> But I, I it just goes to show that Sean still doesn't listen to the podcast because we've talked about <laughs> Secret Hitler over three different episodes. But anyways, he knows oh, I love him. I love. I don't know why you guys keep bringing this up. I don't listen to the podcast. I'm not trying. <laughs> I to don't bring it I just don't do it. <laughs> okay, so I love hidden role games, and there is absolutely a hundred percent the type of player that hates hidden role games. But a lot of social deduction games are hidden rule games, are they? Are they not? Yeah, there's the Venn diagram is almost a complete circle. But yeah, social deduction and hidden rule aren't always necessarily the same thing, but they're very, very close. Because technically, social deduction. Uh, when you say social deduction, you have to socialize a bit. Pure deduction game could be Clue. Uh, deduction it could be Hanabi. When you have social deduction, it's an abstract term, which means in order to make the appropriate deduction, you have to rely on other people's information. But hidden role simply means, obviously, not everyone knows who everyone is. Someone amongst you has a hidden role, or we all have hidden roles, you don't know. But a lot of, like, Werewolf is a social deduction and hidden role game. And I remember Ted Alspeck tried to make a game category for... I think it was hidden role. I think it may have been social deduction. It was social deduction, and there was just all this ambiguity because people started saying, well, clues, you know, social deduction. Like, you're not socializing, and there was all this argument. It didn't happen. So now there's not a gaming category. And obviously, Ted was motivated because he thinks there should be a best. Instead of just having our games in the party game category, it should have its own category. But that's a whole backstory just to explain or answer your question. Yeah, there's a Venn diagram. They're different, but they're also most likely together in many instances. So would you say that both Cause of Death Ghosts and Two Rooms in a Boom are both hidden role social deduction games? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. So when I initially pitched this game to you, I didn't think that there would be hidden roles. Quite the opposite everyone knows that this person's winning what do we do to fix that and that's where the 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 social deduction part comes in so the hard thing for me with this is i don't want that hurt feelings i don't want the emotional manipulation because a lot of people love dead last but as you and i know sbj don't like it because in essence has such potential to really hurt someone's feelings and i know it's not my job to make sure 
everybody's feelings are okay and people's feelings aren't hurt. But the essence of games, my goal is to have fun. And if someone's not having, if the fun is at someone else's expense, I'm sorry. I'm not a huge fan and I don't want to design that. So I'm trying, in my mind, I'm thinking, how do we do basically dead last in reverse? Where people, instead of trying to kill someone, you're trying to get someone to win. And how would that work? Uh, Because the other ideas I'm coming up with are pretty mean. Like the one idea I had is you you know who the kingmaker is and the kingmaker is going to choose who like the ranking of wins like kingmaker gets first place but then they get to choose i don't know the queen and then the and then the queen gets to choose the jack the jack and it, so it just goes descending and basically it ends up you're playing to see who the main loser is i got first place you got second whatever but then you can go back and try to reassign the roles by socializing like hey you know we know that Sean's going to choose Alan to be his queen if he's king. <laughs> right. I don't want to be queen. So you we got to, we got to, I'll be your queen, man. What, Anyways, so what if the, what if the game is more asymmetrical where it's, you know, five versus one? The one person is making sure that they stick with that prediction of, of, you know they're supposed to win so that that is the outcome that they're aiming for to make sure that they do indeed they are in the right position to win and the other people are uh in the position to uh try to break that that goal that was established at the beginning of the game so are you thinking it's a hidden role and one person no, I, was, gets I wasn't co- thinking hidden role okay because i think i mean i don't know you you tell me if that that would be more fun but I think it's it's public knowledge that this person's going to win. That's how the start of the game hap- the starts, right? right? Right. Here is your physical items of choice, if there are any. And by the way, Sean is winning. Sean's going to win the game. So uh, good luck actually winning because we already said that Sean's winning. I'm okay with Sean winning because I'm going to be his queen. Sorry, I was trying to think of like asymmetrical games. And like I kind of thought of uh, Mysterium, but technically everyone there is working together. It's just one person has a completely different role than everyone else, which is a very interesting mechanic in itself. Well, a lot of asymmetrical games are hidden role games. Secret Hitler, Resistance, those are all asymmetrical. There's many fewer spies, fewer fascists, etc. I would argue that a lot of games like Cyclades becomes asymmetrical because that's the king destroyer rather than the king maker where everyone knows who the king's going to be cosmic encounter shoot Stu's going to win we got to all team up we're on the same team now because if we don't work together Stu's going to win so it's weird that they become asymmetrical but realistically they're not there but having an asymmetrical game besides a quest game because also asymmetrical would be descent and hero quest where you have one dungeon master controlling the monsters and then everyone else is the heroes. So those are asymmetrical games, of course. But having one that has some type of tabletop mechanic where everyone's on equal ground, but one person is against everyone else, I don't know. I don't know, man. I don't know. I'm just, by the way, I'm just throwing stuff out there. I had uh, no other real concepts besides, you know, the main point, which was, at the start of the game, this person's destined to win. Good luck. 
Yeah, that's how a lot of games are made. There's a lot of different approaches of games, and this is one of them. You have some idea, some theme that you'd like to see come alive. The other way to make a game is you have a game you already really like, but you wish it could be something else. So it's almost the other way around where you're starting with theme. The other way is you're starting with mechanics that you think maybe needs more retheming and some tinkering here and there. But all games, they're all trying to accomplish a goal. So I guess you stated your goal. Your goal is you want players to experience that they know what's going to happen and they have to kind of work together to alter it if they so choose. Is that the correct goal? Is that the feeling you're going for? Yes. Man, I think we need to go to our knaves for this one because <laughs> I, I don't I mean, we're not going to come up with a game right here and then. But this is kind of educational as the process, how this works. Yeah. And I love the name. That's the most important thing to me. Yeah. The name. Right. <laughs> so you said it was closest. <laughs> you said it was closest to strategy, strategy, strategy. You can do strategy this. looper. I strategy, strategy looper, Trad but take away the. <laughs> I definitely said it while you were talking. Trag tragedy looper. There we go. Yeah. You said yeah. it was similar to that. What is the end goal there? The end goal in tragedy looper is you have to stop the catastrophe for catastrophe from happening. Is that what it's called, Sean? Is it the, the tragedy? There's, I mean, there's a tragedy, right? Yeah, of course. Dumb. Yeah, of course. That's It's in the title. Whoops. All right. You have to stop the tragedy. And basically, you don't even know what the tragedy is. It's just you have, and that's an asymmetrical game. You have a host, and then you have players, and the players are trying to prevent the tragedy. They don't even know what it is. And then as they're moving from different locations to different locations, trying to stop other individuals from moving into different locations, suddenly... The mastermind can say, oh, tragedy happened. I'm resetting everything. And the players just have to think, what the hell just happened that made it so the tragedy happened? Well, whatever it was, we have to make sure it doesn't happen again. And so by process of elimination, because you only get so many attempts to prevent the same pattern from happening. So every time you stop the exact pattern from happening, so something else happens, and then it all goes wrong, resets, and you think, okay, Every time the tragedy has happened, it's because these two people have ended up in the same room. That seems to be the key thing. So all we really need to do is stop these two people from getting together. That's an oversimplification, but that's basically a tragedy looper. So you get to do it over and over again. So maybe, SBJ, maybe you just need to play some tragedy looper. <laughs> maybe, yeah. Sounds cool. Because the mastermind's going to win. No matter you, you start the game knowing mastermind's going to win. How are you going to stop it? Because it's Quantum Leap meets... What's the pitch, Sean? Quantum Leap meets uh, Sliders? Is that it? Maybe, yeah. Meets anime. It basically <laughs> meets anime. Yeah, it's basically you're going back into time and you're embodying two different people like in the show Quantum Leap and then you have to prevent the tragedy. Yeah, it's, it's cool. It's cool. Uh, a lot of people don't like it and I would give the same warning unless you want to give the warning, Sean. Do you remember the warning of Tragedy Looper? Don't read the rules or read anything about it. You kind of have to have somebody teach you the game your first time because it's way more fun to be grandfathered in than it is to like read the rule book and play it. That's my yep. warning, right? Yep, that's totally right. Do not, if you buy it and you read the rules, it's not going to be fun. It has to be grandfathered. So basically, you walk around a convention or you ask your friends, get on some of the forums and say, 
who's played tragedy looper will someone be the mastermind for us and then they just teach you because it's an amazing experience and unless, i like unless to, somebody we wants taught, to be the mastermind and so they buy it and they read it and they all they want to do is teach sure yeah that you, could work for sure it could it could it could it could probably won't but could um <laughs> it gets a big sacrifice way, to make but yeah it is it is because it's re- it's it's heavy man it is heavy and the cool thing when we were taught sean we were taught by our friend clyde ghost so clyde he even taught us less than he was supposed to like once once i tried grandfathering other people and i opened up the rules to refresh my memory i was like oh my goodness clyde showed us nothing nothing but in the rules it says you should let them know this you remember we didn't even know how to use our player aids and things like that he was just like just go and we just had to figure everything out we didn't even know what anything meant except basics of movement and whatnot so it was pretty amazing ah, that was a good time that was at bgg con man yeah, and uh, SBJ will be at BGG Con, so we can just teach him. Oh my gosh. Right. Uh, he's swimming there. I heard he's swimming there, Sean. Is that the joke you're going for? <laughs> and then we can play Secret Hitler. <laughs> yeah, the time traveling, killing Hitler game. Uh, I'm going to have to work on that game. <laughs> I, I mean, I think, I think we're, we're not going anywhere with this, and that's what I expected. But, Alan, is there, has, has there been pitches that you have received i don't know if you receive a lot of pitches or most of the games you come up with are just you uh you were not the first person to text me game idea okay literally i get some texts every once in a while uh that just say game idea so anyways what's your question so when you hear something like that do you does that put you into a I, i want to try to make this work or is there a point in time where you, you or maybe you're just so experienced, you think, OK, that that's not ha- what you want isn't feasible, that that thought process just doesn't play out in a board game situation. Or are you the type of person that will attempt to make something work? And I don't want to go down a rabbit hole of like how fast and how quickly you may yeah. cause a death. It's ghost, a pretty, but it's a pretty simple answer. We'll save cause of death ghost for another app, uh, another episode. But the the really quick and simple answer is. It really depends. Depends on the game idea. Depends who's telling me. It be t- depends on their objective. Because Sean will tell you, he came up to me at the beginning of our relationship and said, game idea. And what was my response, Sean? Your response was, this is something you want help with? This is something you want to do together? Or is this a gift? That's right. It's like, is this a gift that you're giving me so that I can run away with this idea? You just want to see the game made. You don't care who makes it and gets all the credit for it. Or is this something you want to work on together that you want to be a piece of? You want your name on cardboard with mine? Or is this just something that you want only your name on the cardboard and that you're just looking for advice? So it it really depends how hashed out the idea is, et cetera. But I'm really curious to see what our Tuesday knaves say. They can run away with this if they say like, oh, here's some great ideas. And woo, this is what I think should happen. Or reverse dead last sounds amazing to me. I don't know why. Just something to throw out there. Well, I think a different episode for sure, but I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed my time with you guys. Uh, so I always enjoy my time with you, SPJ. Good. It's a magical thing. Yeah. <laughs> Sean, I enjoy my time with you too, which I'm really excited. See you at BGG Con, 9 o'clock, Saturday night by the elevators. Two rooms and a boom. I also Google really enjoy my time with you, SPJ. I, I you know, likewise. All right, so BGG Con. <laughs> I see what you did and- there, Sean. I'm your queen. 
Nine, you like it or not. 9 p.m., something about elevators. Alan will be demoing the expansion to Two Rooms and a Boom. Tweet, tweeter, Twitter contest on the Wednesday following <laughs> the podcast, which is going to be November 16th. Uh, and I'm sure that'll run for a couple days. So obviously, if, if, if you're not somebody who listens to the podcast right away, the, the, once the tweet is posted, it's not going anywhere. But yeah, uh, go visit Alan and Sean at BGGCon. I won't be there. I will be playing uh, the new Pokemon game and doing a bunch of podcasts for that over uh, on my other podcast. It's super effective. And then Thanksgiving is after that. So I don't know what the outline or schedule for the next two weeks of podcasts are. I'm sure there will be something. I'm sure Alan, Sean, and I can and can get something out there for you guys. Uh, so just stay tuned for that. Otherwise. Alan, where can our listeners find you? Hey, you can find me on Battle.net. I'm Alan, hashtag 11775. Let's play some Hearthstone, maybe some Overwatch, maybe even some Heroes of the Storm. I don't know. I'm lonely. I'll play with you. I suck. I'm also on the tweets. I'm on the Facebook. On the tweets, I'm at Alan Gerding, A-L-A-N-G-E-R. Ding! Awesome. And Sean, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter at, at Sean McCoy, S-E-A-N-M-C-C-O-Y. Awesome. You can follow me on Twitter. It's at Dragging A Lake. You can also follow Tuesday Night Games on Twitter at PlayTKG. Uh, if you liked the game concept we talked about today or you just have any emails in general that you want to shoot our way, uh, you can do so uh, over at podcast at TuesdayNightGames.com. And uh, we will get those emails and we will possibly read those emails or just discuss them. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. But I do know that this episode is finished. Ah, I'm your queen. 